There's an old story about a beggar who was on the roadside during a day and age when those who lived in poverty would, would beg people who were traveling for money and for alms. So this beggar had his, his hand out asking for alms for the poor and asking for people to help. And just happened to be that on this road uh, came Alexander the Great. And along with him, many people who would travel with him. And Alexander the Great looked at this beggar who he had no relationship with whatsoever. No, uh, no, not a family member, not someone he knew uh, or trusted at all. And he looked at the beggar and he took out two gold coins and he threw two gold coins down at the beggar's feet. And he picked him up and, and took them and said, thank you. Well, there was a courier that was traveling with Alexander the Great, and he stopped and he said, I'm, I'm astonished, sir, by your generosity. He said, why would you give two gold coins when the copper coins would adequately meet the beggar's needs? And Alexander the Great responded and said in royal fashion, copper coins would suit the beggar's need, but gold coins suits Alexander's giving. You know, I love that story because I think it really sets the stage for the idea that those of you who are here today, who are God followers, who are serious God followers, serious Christ followers, um, that we are children of the King of Kings. And we've been adopted into the family of God. We're, we're, chi we're children adopted, chosen by Him into the family of God. And our level of generosity ought to reflect the fact that our daddy is the king. And I hope that when we view generosity as a church, and I hope that when I, I am looked at as a person at the end of my life, um, I hope and I pray that people view us as a church and me as a person as the kind of people who are so generous that we would pull out two gold coins and not two copper coins because that kind of giving is worthy of a king. I'm glad you're here today. We're, we're continuing this series uh, that we've entitled, Don't, Don't Forget This. And we're in, a, in the summertime, and, you know, I'm just proud you guys are even here, okay? That's just, I'm just being honest with you. Like, it's very difficult to remember things, right? Isn't it? Uh, isn't it? Man, come on. All right, so, like, it's hard to just, like, be here and remember things. And so we thought this would be a good time of year to take a look in Scripture at what God says are things that you and I um, should keep in mind, that we should remember, that we should not forget. Um, and, and it's so important that when you're reading Scripture that you and I, when we come upon those words, remember this or don't forget this or keep this in mind, that that's an important thing to God. It's something that's important for, for us in our lives to know, and it's important for our spirit spiritual lives. And today we come to this idea of, of the fact that God tells us not to forget the fact that a generous life is an important life and that we shouldn't forget the act of giving and we shouldn't forget the act and the lifestyle of, of generosity. It's highly important. Just like last week or the last previous weeks, it's important that we understand our freedom and it's, an under, uh, it's important that we understand the commands of God and it's important that we understand all these different things that God says and remember these different things that God says. Generosity is just as important. In fact, I think you can make a case that in some ways giving and generosity is even more important. Uh, 
If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to two different passages. We're going to start in one and end in the other. It's Acts 20, and we're going to be in verse 35, and then Matthew chapter 6. And um, for those of you I don't know, my name's Todd, and I'm the lead pastor. I'm really glad that you're here this morning. Thank you so much for, for getting up. And I've got to say, um, you guys, this, this service, you guys were the choir. The 930 was trying out for the choir. You guys sounded awesome. I just want to let you know, okay? So don't tell them that, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. So uh, you can turn there to, uh, uh, we're going to end up in Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to take a look at this idea of generosity. And I want to begin with just kind of a disclaimer that today's message is largely for, for those of you who are here, who, whether you're on vacation or whether you, you're, um, you know, a regular attender or member here at this church, that um, it's really for the Christ follower. Um, but that doesn't mean that those of you who are here who are not God followers or just wondering or searching, that it can't apply because actually this is where like the principles of, of God's word maybe uh, cross over as, as, as much as anything else in, in scripture. And, and so some of you know this, some of you don't. <clears throat> one, of the, uh, one of the interesting things about the word of God is, is that if you really take a look at different themes in the word of God, um, the theme of money or possessions, or material possessions, or giving, or generosity, it, it, like that theme is actually um, a, 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 the highest number of, of mentions and, and information that's contained in the Bible than any other theme, than any other topic in all of Scripture, all right? So it, that means that, that um, God views generosity, and he views giving, and he views uh, he, he views material possessions and how we steward what he's given us higher than anything else. It's a top, top, top priority to him, okay? So, and I realize that some of you are here and you're like, oh man, he's talking about money again. I cannot believe this. And, and you were like, I was just here just six months ago and he was talking about money again. All right, so what's the deal, okay? I'm kidding, that was a joke. But like, you know, I get it that like some of you are like, I can't believe I'm in church and he's talking about money. Um, you know, and maybe your pastor, if you're from Ohio, um, he does that too. And so, uh, you know, give us a break a little bit because God views it as important, right? So if we're gonna teach scripture, we're gonna come up upon, we're gonna come on this uh, quite often. And so today we're gonna be focused on um, what it means to not forget or don't forget or remember uh, the priority that God places on a generous life. I want to begin by our definition of, of generosity. If you look it up, uh, you know, on, on dictionary.com or Webster's, you're going to find something like this. Um, generosity is liberality or readiness in giving. Liberality or readiness in giving. And the reason I want to begin with that definition absolutely love that because it really reflects what scripture says, what God says about the idea of generosity. You see, when we talk about being liberal with our money, being um, gracious or giving or like having a, a liberal mindset, not politically liberal, but a liberal mindset in terms of being generous with our money, that's a heart issue and it's a mind issue. It's an attitude. It connects the heart with the mind and that's kind of our attitude or maybe our motivation towards generosity. But then the, the definition goes on to say that it's readiness in giving as well. And so when you look in Scripture, you're going to find often that there's a delineation, there's a, there's a difference. Uh, sometimes God is speaking to our hearts and our minds, and sometimes he's speaking to our hands about giving. 
Because sometimes this can come in alignment with his word and it can, we can have the attitude of a generous person. But if we're not generous, then we're not generous. If we don't actually act upon giving, then we're not generous people. And I don't know about you, but I want to be known in my life for someone um, who is generous. And the Bible has so much to say about it. We're going to be in an Acts. And we're going to be taking a look at Acts chapter 20. And, and I want to just give you a little bit of background on this so you can understand this one verse that we're going to be taking a look at. It's interesting because Luke wrote the book of Acts. He was the same, um, the same person that wrote the, the gospel book of, you can say it with me if you're paying attention, Luke, awesome, you guys are right, Luke wrote Luke, okay, so that's cool, uh, and a lot of people think that um, Paul wrote Acts, but Luke actually kind of continues his, his message, you have the gospel of Luke, and he's talking about Jesus, and all that happened with Jesus, and then he kind of continues the story, and writes the history of really the first uh, you know, years of the church in the book of Acts, so it's the same guy writing that wrote the, the gospel book that was named after him, or that he named after him, uh, the book of Luke, or that we named after him, the book of Luke, and so um, we see him continuing this theme, and we come to chapter 20, and it's such an interesting chapter, because here's what he does in chapter 20. He, he goes to this place called Ephesus, where a church was started, where he started a church, and, Luke, and um, Paul, he's recording the words of Paul, by the way, and, and Luke is, and so he's writing about Paul, and Paul was one of the first missionaries that the church ever had, and he would travel all around the known world of that day, and he would preach the gospel. He would tell people about Jesus. A lot of people would come to know Jesus as their Savior, and then in that area, wherever they were, whether it was Galatia or whether it was Ephesus or Philippi, a church would start there uh, on these missionary journeys that, that Paul took, and then later on, he would write letters back to those churches, and so what we have in the New Testament, um, a lot of the New Testament, is those letters that were written back to those churches, either encouraging them or challenging them, or in some cases calling them out for the things that they should be doing that they're not, or the things that they you know, should not be doing, and they are. And so that's kind of what like Luke was writing, this history of Paul and the other disciples in that first century. We come to this place where Paul is back in Ephesus. And he's meeting with the church leaders. And here's essentially what Paul does with the church leaders in, in chapter 20 of the book of Acts. He kind of lays out this uh, story about how hard-pressed he was and what he's done for the cause of Christ. And he, and he tells this kind of like an you know, like autobiography, if you will, in, in a form of like this pep talk where he's explaining all the hardships that he's had and how he was you know, put in danger, but his passion was to see needs met and to see people come to know Christ. And, and I, you know, my reaction after I read it is, well, this is a little bit like self-promotion, right? right? Maybe my attitude's bad, but like, Paul, what are you doing here? It's a little bit self-promoting. But at the end of the chapter, Luke records the fact that the leaders of this church gathered around him and started hugging him and and kissing him and kind of like cheering for him. So obviously they had a better attitude than I did about this, all right? So they were excited and enthusiastic. This was like the, the you know, the pregame, I guess, speech to, you know, a football team, you know, we're, we're about 45 days away from kickoff of college football. And down here in the South, if you're from Ohio, it's all about college football, okay? Just so you know, it's not about the Browns. 
Oh, it's not in Ohio either. I forgot about that. But anyway, um, anyway, it's all about college football. It is in Ohio too, but it's all about college football here, and we're about ready to kick off, and there'll be a lot of pregame speeches that are encouraging and challenging and pep rally in nature, and Paul is really encouraging them, and the reason that they are so excited and so enthusiastic, but there's this little bit of a hint of, man, something's about to happen as they realize that this is the last time they're going to see Paul. And so he instills in in them this idea of work hard for the cause of Christ. Don't be focused just on yourself. And, And I think it's so amazing to see how he ends in verse 35. And this is what he says, and this is going to be our springboard here um, this morning. He says this in verse 35. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, I want you to say the next few words with me. We must help the weak. We must help the weak. He says, and, and, and by telling you this whole story, I'm telling you that it's the church's job to help the weak. To help the weak. And he goes on and he says, And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so Paul here is encouraging this church that he has a real heart for in Ephesus. And if you read the book of Ephesus, it's a very Ephesians. It's a very encouraging book that he's writing, or letter that he's writing in the church of Ephesus. And he leaves them with this pep rally, this challenge: be about helping those in need. And he uses the words of Jesus when he says it is more blessed to give than receive. Now, it's interesting because if you're the type of person that likes to do research and you were to research this and you were to go, when did Jesus say that? You wouldn't find it in the Gospels. But that doesn't mean that Jesus didn't say it. There are some scholars out there that will say that like Paul was in error, that Jesus never said that. Well, um, that's incorrect because Paul was around a lot of people who were around Jesus And I promise you, based on the consistency of Jesus talking about giving and generosity a lot and helping others and the the course, the consistency of the course of his life and how he gave and how he served those who were in need in many different ways and how he, you know, uh, went to a wedding party and um, they they didn't have any wine and you can't have a wedding without wine. So he turned water into wine and, you know, he helped those that were in need all the time. And so you see that even though it's not mentioned in the Gospels, this is truth. Jesus might have said it in a different way. He might have said it differently. But the, the, course of, the whole course of Jesus' life, the result of it is that it is, it is better to give than it is to receive. And we may hear that a lot, but I want that to sink in with you for a moment. It's, it's more blessed, he says, to give than receive. And it's not just a simple suggestion. This isn't just like a, a little um, you know, phrase to live by. What are you saying? He used the word blessed. It's, it's meaningful. It has spiritual power to it. It's something that's significant. And essentially what Jesus is saying is he's saying this, and I don't want you to miss this. The better way to live your life, the better way that we can live our lives is having the attitude that it is better to give than it is to receive. It's a better life. Generosity or having a life of generosity is a high honor and it is a better way to live. 
And essentially what we see here is as we get the idea in mind that what Jesus is saying, what uh, Paul is writing, or what Luke is writing about, that Paul said about Jesus, is that what he is saying here is that the one who gives really is the one who receives. Essentially what Jesus is saying is that when it comes to generosity, the benefactor is benefited. We often think that we're blessed because of all the things that we have, but in reality, Jesus turns that conventional wisdom, what culture tells us, especially in our day and age, on its head, and he says, no, 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 no. Those of you who have and you give, that's the better life. The better life is a life of generosity, and Luke actually talks about it when he records Jesus' words in Luke 6.38. I want you to capture this. He says this, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He's saying essentially the same thing, that it is better to give than it is to receive, because the extent to which you are a generous person, spiritually, is the extent to which God is going to give back to you. And so we see this theme developing. Um, what Luke is saying here is, is that um, when you have plenty, give to the degree to which you would want to receive if you had need. If you have plenty, give to the extent that you would desire or want to have if you were in need. So that frames what Alexander the Great did. And he didn't do a lot of good things. But he handed a beggar two gold coins rather than two copper coins. And that's the kind of giving, I believe, that God has for those who are God followers, who are Christ followers. Even in the Old Testament, we hear of this idea of it being better to give than receive. In Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs says, um, whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed for he shares his bread with the poor. Now, I also think that the, the, how that's phrased there, whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. If you, if you really look kind of through that verse, you know what you see here? Is, is that generosity is something that we can't manipulate to get. You see, if, if we give with the attitude of we're giving so that God will give to us, that, that's faulty thinking. That's wrong thinking. What Proverbs is saying here is, is that God is going to bless those who give with a pure heart and a pure mind. And they give out of their abundance and they give because they have a heart for those who are in need and a heart for God. And so we cannot manipulate generosity. God won't bless those who say, I'll give so that I can get. That attitude towards generosity is flawed. It's not really generosity at all. And so we have this idea in our, in our system of this idea towards giving, this attitude towards giving, and the Bible addresses that, but the, the Bible also addresses the, the other side of that, and that's just the action of giving. It addresses the, not just the head and the heart, but it also addresses the hands and how we do that and what we do, the readiness, if you will, of giving. And generosity, at its heart, um, we have the attitude that comes first, but then at some point in time, the attitude has to turn into an action, doesn't it? Because if we have a great attitude towards giving, but we don't give, then we're not generous people, am I right? If we have a good attitude about anything and we don't act upon that, 
then we really aren't doing that thing. And so Jesus talks about this, and here's, what I, here's where I want to end this morning. Essentially what Jesus tells us is where I want to end this morning, and that is, is that you and I, if we're Christ followers, if we're serious God followers, we need to plan to be generous, and then we need to be generous. It's really that simple. We need to plan to be generous, and then we need to be generous. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. He's telling his disciples and his followers um, that the priority in life is not the stuff we have here, but our priority in life is putting our focus and our heart and our mind and our attention and our actions on the kingdom of God. And we talk a lot about that around here, but look what he says here. I love this. He says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But he says this, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I want you to just think about that one phrase for just a moment. He says, lay up, store up, keep, put aside, put in reserves, treasures in heaven. But look what he says. He uses specifically the word yourselves, which goes back to exactly what we were talking about. And that is, is that when you and I are generous, when we are people who give with a generous heart, Man, we're the ones that receive the joy. There is so much joy and generosity. And when we don't give, when we're not generous, we miss out so much. He says, lay up for, what's that next word? Yourselves, treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. And then he says in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He goes back to the attitude. You know what? This verse is really talking about the readiness part of things. He's really talking about the, the fact that you and I, if, if, if we're serious about God, if we're serious about Jesus, if we are Christ followers, that we are going to be doing things in our life, not just our, our heart and our head, but we're going to be doing things that prepare us to be able to be generous. And, and I realize that, um, and I'm admitting that this is, this is something I struggle with. I really do. I grew up in an upper middle class environment and stuff, anything was easy to come by. It just was. And so I've struggled with this a lot of my life. Um, in particular, it, it kind of came to like be made apparent in my life when Cynthia and I and uh, Sydney at the time moved from Atlanta to New York City. Um, we were at a church in Atlanta and God called us to move to New York City and um, our 2,400 square foot house, that, those big Atlanta homes, you know, that like don't cost much money, um, that, like it was there and it was kind of filled. Because <laughs> what do we do with homes? <laughs> we fill them, don't we? What do we do with space? We fill it. I, I said a few years ago when I was talking about our home in Atlanta, I said it was 24,000 square feet. And that was a Freudian slip because it was not 24,000 square feet, I promise you, okay? So anyway, I just want to clear that up. 2,400 square foot house. But we had to take that because God called us to move to New York City, and we had to take that, and we had to move it into an apartment on the Upper West Side of New York City that was oh, maybe 1,000 square feet, maybe, and a lot of, like, common space. So we had a problem. And so we had a yard sale, and I'm not like a yard sale guy at all. But we had a yard sale, and we did it with some friends. And I really thought um, that, like, our friend and Cynthia were a little crazy because I'm like, why are we doing this? What's the point? We don't, have, we don't have much stuff. I was wrong. I was dead wrong. I realized when we spread everything out that day and sold most of what we had that I, that I, have, a, I have a problem. 
I like stuff. I do. I do. I mean, we all do. It's part of the human condition. We like stuff. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that um, except when it interferes with what Jesus says is our mission and our goal, and that is the spread of the gospel, his kingdom. He goes on in Matthew 6 to say, seek first his kingdom, the kingdom of God, not the stuff. I still like stuff. It's 10 years later, 12 years later, I still like stuff. I like cooking stuff. I like clothes. I like house stuff, although recently I've had to spend money on required stuff, leaks and fun stuff like that. But anyway, and, and I like golf stuff, okay? Guys, you know, I, li- I like to play golf. I, li- I, I still like stuff. But my attitude needed to change towards it because the action was beginning not to be there. And so I, as a pastor 10 years ago, um, began to back off on what I was giving to my church. I went from 10% and let that slip. And a lot of you have heard my story on that. And God um, really kind of got a hold of my life through a period of crisis. And um, we went through some tough years and financially. We had to get things in order. We went through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. How many of you have been through FPU in here? Raise your hand for a moment. It's a lot of fun, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's not. But it's so incredibly helpful and useful, isn't it? And I had to realize I had to change my attitude so that my actions could change towards generosity. And one of the things that it taught me um, is, is that I like stuff. You know, yard sales and garage sales will show you how much you like stuff. They just will. And I realized that when Dave Ramsey talks about the fact that there are really only four needs in life, shelter, transportation, clothing, and food, um, that that's really all we need. But the world tells us that we should be consumers, doesn't it? The world tells us that generosity is something that might be a good idea after you've consumed everything. And so one of the things that I've learned from Dave is is that if I consume it or toss it one day or sell it, maybe I don't really need it. And I struggle with that. I do. I struggle with that just like everybody does because society pushes us to the other side of that. Now, what does this mean for our church? What does it mean for us as people that we shouldn't forget the idea of being generous in our life. Well, uh, I think for us as a church, it means that um, if we as, as people individually get this idea of generosity, if we collectively understand that one of the top priorities God has for you and for me is that we're generous with what God has given us, we can be known as a church that's incredibly generous. I talked to you on May the 22nd about what I believe God's vision for us as a church is um, for this new year. Our financial year began July 1st, and we're running 12 months all the way through the end of June in 2017. And each week, our weekly need went from an average of uh, you know, 13000 about $700, $600, um, all the way up to fourteen three. That's a big jump. But I believe that God has that for us. And I believe that he can accomplish that through you and me if we change our attitude and our actions towards giving. If we prepare to give and we do give, he can do amazing things. He can see us be the first call in our community when crisis happens. And crisis will happen. It's happening every day around the world all the time, isn't it? And one day Hilton Head will be in crisis in some form or fashion. And I, 
My desire is that Hilton Head Island Community Church becomes the first place that people call so that we can jump to action and help those who are in need. I see us being the place where um, we touch the lives of every teacher and first responder on this island because in any community around the world, it's the teachers and the first responders that make it happen, isn't it? We're so thankful for our educators and our first responders in this community. They're amazing. And thank you, thank you, thank you if you're a teacher, if you're a first responder in this room. I want to be the church that supports them and loves them and serves them. Because then we can serve the rest community, rest of the community. In our budget, in that budget that you see each week there, uh, $14,300 that's needed each week, um, that covers all the costs here, but we also put 10% aside. We tithe, just like the Bible says that you and I should give 10%. We do it as a church. And we put 10% aside for our global partners, our local partners, for people who have needs within our church community with benevolence. We put that aside for the outreach that we do to serve our community. But we're also adding to that another 2% to put aside uh, in the case of an emergency so that we can do what Dave Ramsey in the Bible says, and that is save for a rainy day. And so we as a church, yeah, we got a new goal, and it's audacious. But you know what? And it's big, and, and it's challenging. But you know what? I believe that God's got audacious things for this church to accomplish. And if we're going to accomplish that, we need to remember, we need to not forget that God has called each one of us to be generous people. And I realize in this room, there are those of you who are already an example of generosity. You are actively giving, and you have readied yourself, and you are giving. And I want to say thank you for being a part of, of the kingdom work in this community. Keep on doing that. Thank you. There are those of you who are a part of this church, and, um, you know, man, it's been, it's been a struggle um, because you are ready, but, like, your heart hasn't been there. My challenge to you is start giving to the cause of Christ and the work of, of God here in this church community. Start giving. Take up that challenge that we see all throughout Scripture to give 10% and trust God to take care of you. There are those of you who are here, and because of your financial life, because of what I experienced 10 years ago, um, that I was focused so much on the earthly treasures that I, I was beginning to get scared and wasn't able to give those, those treasures that store up in heaven for eternity. Uh, my challenge to you is, is this fall, when financial peace comes around, man, jump in and be a part of it. I promise you, you'll be a better person, and you will experience the joy one day of giving yourself because Jesus says it's better to give than it is to receive. We've got a new goal. I believe we've got a goal and a vision that has come from the Lord, and I'm so excited about the future. I believe that our best year as a church starts right now. And you're going to hear more about this in August. I can't wait to share with you the plans that we have, not just for our community outreach, but for our campus. It's going to be an awesome year. But, but we can only do it if we're generous people. So just like Alexander the Great tossed two gold coins when he could have tossed two copper coins to a beggar on the street, I want to challenge you to be a church that just like him says, you know, we need to be people whose generosity suits the king because you and I are children of the king. We need to be people who give like we're adopted into the family of the king of kings because we are. And so from the words of Jesus, let's plan to be generous, and let's be generous. 
I hope you'll join with me on that. I hope you'll join with our leaders on that and not forget that a generous life is one of the most important things that we can remember in our spiritual life. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I thank you so much for your word. And while it may be uncomfortable to talk about generosity and money and possessions, and while we may not like the fact that it was the most important thing um, for you in terms of our spiritual condition, in terms of what we do um, on this side of heaven, God, um, it is important to you. And so if it's important to you, for those of us who are here, who are God followers, who are Christ followers, um, God, we just say it needs to it needs to be important to us as well. And God, I pray for those who are, are gathered here right now um, and um, they've had something happen um, just like we have a few times that was not their fault, that was not their making, that, that has really set them back financially. And God, they, they want to be generous and they can't. And God, I pray that you would work in their life even right now. God, I pray that you would do amazing things in their life. I pray that you would make yourself known to them. God, I pray for those who are gathered here and um, their financial life is a mess and most of it's of their doing and they just have to admit they just, you know, their hands were off the wheel. They weren't paying attention. They weren't really stewarding what you have given them well. And God, I just pray that you um, would do a work in their life. And I pray this fall as we... Um, begin Financial Peace University again, God, I pray they would join in and that they would ready themselves to be able to match their actions with their attitude of wanting to give. God, I pray for them. And God, I pray for those who are here and they give and they give and they give and they're generous in their groups and they're generous in their community and they give above and beyond what they give here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. God, I pray that you would bless them. God, I'm so thankful for them. God, let them be the model for the rest of us. God, may we see the joy of generosity on their faces. May we see it in their hearts. And God, may we aspire to that. May we strive for that. And God, I pray that we as a people um, would not forget the freedom that we have in you, that we would not forget the commands that you've given us, and that we would not forget all the things that you have told us in your word, the goodness of you over the long haul, all the things that you want us to remember. And God, today, I pray that we would be people who don't forget that you see a generous life as highly, highly important. God, may you be pleased and blessed. And God, may we give our worship back to you because you're a great God. And there are so many reasons that we can say thank you and we can worship you. And we do that right now in Jesus' name.